Hey there, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I'm your host, Christine Garvin, a functional health coach. Each week, I speak with an incredible guest expert on all things women's hormones. We're here to empower you to take back control of your body, health, and well-being, and to learn about the latest in research and solutions when it comes to getting your hormones happy. No part of this podcast should be construed as medical advice, and we always recommend working with a professional practitioner to figure out what's best for your body. Now let's dive in with today's guest. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Hormonally Speaking. So happy to have you here with us as always. This week, we are talking about one of my favorite topics to talk about with my clients, although it's probably not everybody's favorite topic because it is so overwhelming for so many women out there, and that is the topic of stress. But we need to talk about stress because it impacts so much of our health, from our hormones to really everything else. And so I'm super excited to have an expert on this with us today. Her name is Dr. Erin Kinney, and she is a stress reset expert and founder of the Stress Reset Formula. As a naturopathic doctor and coach, she helps stressed and burnt out women with adrenal fatigue, improve their mood, balance their hormones, and increase their energy. She works with patients one-on-one, but also offers many different types of programs. When she is not helping her patients regain their energy and get their bodies back into balance, she's either at home with her two young daughters or working to spread awareness about naturopathic medicine. She's currently the immediate past president of the Maryland Naturopathic Doctors Association and an active member of the American Association of Naturopathic Doctors. She received her Bachelor of Arts from Vanderbilt University and was a summa cum laude graduate of the University of Bridgeport College of Natural naturopathic medicine. While there, she studied with Dr. Peter Deamo, the author of The Blood Type Diet. Welcome, Dr. Kenny. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, me too. So as I mentioned, I love talking about this topic of stress because it is such a huge thing that impacts all of our health, right? And we've talked about for years, obviously people know that stress impacts our health, but I think a lot of people don't realize to the extent that it does. And particularly, you know, when it comes to throwing off your hormones, right. Your sex hormones. Um, so can you start off by just telling us some of the ways that, you know, stress really does impact women? Yeah. So I think, and this is where I've kind of gone, you know, over the years, as I'm sure you have working with women, you know, everyone kind of knows that stress makes things worse. Like we all know I've got the symptom. It gets worse when I'm stressed out. But what I've come to realize is that when you start to understand why stress is causing and also how it happens that then you're like, Oh wait, I really, really should be doing those stress reducing practices. I should make sure I do my meditation practice. I should make sure I take a break during the day. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I like to explain to people is that when your body's in fight flight mode, what happens is all the blood flow goes to your arms and your legs, your heart rate increases, your breath rate increases, your body essentially gets ready to run or to fight. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, the blood flow essentially leaves the internal organs. It leaves the ovaries. It leaves the digestive tract. It leaves. So we're not getting blood flow there and we don't have blood flow to a specific organ you're not going to make hormones. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the ovaries are what are predominantly making most of our female sex hormones. And if, and when you are in fight flight, the body's going to be focused on making stress hormones and not Mm -hmm. on making sex hormones. So that's kind of the general, you know, if you're dealing with hormonal imbalances, the longer or the more amount of time you spend in stress mode, the less amount of energy your body is going to be spending making those sex hormones. So that's kind of like the first, the big thing that I like to have people understand is Mm -hmm. that, 
So in order to get your hormones back into balance, the first thing you have to prioritize, I don't care, supplements, diet, you have to make sure you're spending enough time in what we call the parasympathetic nervous system or rest and digest. Mm -hmm. Because when we're in that state, that's when blood flow returns back to the internal organs. It's going to activate blood flow to the ovaries, which the ovaries will now be like, oh, hey, we're chilled out. We can now maybe make some hormones. We can do our job. (laughs) From an evolutionary standpoint, you know, if, if you're like living in a tribe and it's a really stressful situation, your body doesn't want to procreate, right? We don't want to bring a baby into a stressful environment. So the body's like, well, that's cool. I'm just not going to make, I'm not going to make enough estrogen. I'm not going to make ovulation hormones because why would I? Mm -hmm. So in today's world, our bodies are still functioning in that same, you know, in that same thinking. If we're making a ton of stress hormones, the body's like, well, this must be a really stressful time. I don't want to, I don't want to ovulate. I don't yeah. want yeah. to make, we can't put resources it. towards exactly. like holding, yeah. Carrying a yeah. baby. Yeah. So the body is like, all right, well, I'm going to just going to keep pumping out this cortisol. So, so that's kind of like the first thing that I like people to understand. The second thing, and this is kind of an interesting thing, I think for women who have been dealing with chronic stress in their life. So the way that the stress hormone pathway occurs is there's a part of your brain called the amygdala, which is the part of our brain. It's kind of like the lizard brain. It senses whether something is stressful or not. And it's pretty black or white. It's like, this is a stressor, this isn't. So if the amygdala senses that something is a stressor, let's say that a lion runs into the room right now, or then you see the lion, we're both going to be like, oh my God, there's a lion here. We better start running. So that amygdala will send a signal to a part of your brain called the hypothalamus. And that pumps out a hormone called cortico-releasing hormone. There's a couple other steps in there, which we don't need to know, but Mm -hmm. eventually there's a pathway that gets sent to your adrenal glands and it tells the adrenals to pump out cortisol. And cortisol is one of our main fight flight hormones, cortisol and adrenaline. Those two together are what puts us, they put it, it puts us into fight flight. So then we're able to run from the lion and get safe. Now, once we get safe, that same cortisol that we pumped out is supposed to actually go back to the hypothalamus and it binds to a receptor there called a, a glucocorticoid resistant, or excuse me, um, glucocorticoid receptor, which turns off further production of cortisol releasing hormone. Hmm. So that essentially shuts off the fight flight system. Mm-hmm. Now, our bodies, because they're very wise, if you are constantly pushing that amygdala, turning on the stress button, and the body's constantly pumping out that cortical releasing hormone. If, if the body's like, well, I'm not really sure I should turn this off because I think she's just going to turn it back on again. It will actually downregulate the production of the receptor that allows the body to turn itself off. Mm. So you can actually get stuck in fight flight mode. Mm-hmm. You can get stuck in stress mode. And this is something I hear from so many women. They come in and they're like, I feel like I can't calm down. I try, yeah. I go to yoga. I, I try to meditate. I get massages. I do all of the quote unquote stress relieving things but it doesn't seem to be helping me. Mm -hmm. And this is because their body is literally in a a state where they are stuck in flight flight mode. And so when I start to talk about how we're going to get them out of that, the the main work that we need to do on the very physical level is we need to start telling the body to upregulate the production of that glucocorticoid receptor. Mm. So, and there's been a lot of research on this, that, that receptor, you have it in the hypothalamus, but you have it actually all over the body. They've done research on people that have taken high doses of steroids. So Mm -hmm. prednisone or whatnot Mm -hmm. over long periods of time and high doses of steroids will downregulate the production of this so you can start to develop like a, a cortisol resistance and or an, a, a glucose resistant type state. So they're kind of actually similar. It's kind of similar to the idea behind type two diabetes where the body can't absorb the glucose. It's like, you can't get cortisol into the cells. Right. And so this will leave you in a very stressed out state yeah. <laughs> and not yeah. feeling very good. Yeah. Um, I went a little bit off track. What no, I think that was, that was great because I, I talk a lot on here and to my clients about sort of the hypothalamus pituitary and um, adrenal axis, but 
really getting into people understanding that you can get into that resistance. It, I mean, it makes sense. Like, like you said, blood sugar, that becomes an issue. Uh, insulin becomes an issue, right? When the body's like, this isn't working yeah. as is. And so we're going to kind of shut this down. Right. And yeah. then you're, you're stuck. So let's talk about, you know, like you just said, some of these women will come to you and they're like, I'm doing all the things, you know? So what happens when they're doing all the things and what do you tell them is sort of their next best option? So I, I, in my practice, I typically use homeopathy to help mm. to kind of reset. And I don't know if, if you're use that in your practice or that's something listeners are familiar with, but it's a very diluted form of um, medicine. It, it's kind of an energy medicine, but I find I get really good results with mm. homeopathy that helps to kind of reset the production of that. Yes. I also use rhodiola as one of my mm. favorite herbs. It's mm-hmm. really great for upregulating that glucocorticoid receptor production. So, and then, and then we talk about how, you know, I want them to keep doing those things because yeah. essentially what you have to do is you have to, it's like, you have to practice relaxing Yes, and, and you have to be okay with the fact that you might go to yoga and it might feel uncomfortable right. for a little while, but you have to keep doing it. Just, it's almost like when you, if you have never been a runner before and you decide, Hey, I'm going to run a 10 K you're going to have to train for it. Yeah. Probably for the first few weeks when you go running, it's going to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. Because it's it, real it feels uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't feel good. And so a lot of times, you know, if you're trying to build up this parasympathetic muscle, mm-hmm. if you will, and strengthen mm-hmm. that the first few times you're working on that, or maybe even for the first couple of months, it might feel uncomfortable. Your brain's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to relax. I don't want to relax. I want to. And mm-hmm. in some respect, when you are stuck in that state, your brain is just trying to protect you because you've been, you know, it's your body is actually doing something good. Yep. And this is something else I talk to my patients about a lot is that we, we don't want to, we don't want to beat the body up for the fact that it's stuck no. in this state. I mean, I think it's I think doing its thing yeah. has been a good example for talking about this. You know, all of us were stuck in fight flight mode for probably the most of 2020, maybe even in 2021, mm-hmm. we were all kind of like, okay, what's the next thing that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But it was a situation where we kind of, you know, our brains were trying to protect us. Yeah. So our bodies were trying to be like, okay, we're going to keep you safe. There's something out there that's unknown that could hurt us. We're going to, yeah. we're going to keep you vigilant so that, and now we're kind of going to say where we can relax a little bit, but it, mm-hmm. it feels a little foreign because we've been in that hypervigilant state for a while. Mm-hmm. So it just, it takes a little longer. To yeah. yeah. So, so it can be done and your body can absolutely start making those receptors again. Um, it, 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 it can easily be done. You just have to give it a little bit of time and you have to, the lifestyle things are usually the best things to keep doing. Yeah. Um, that, and that all makes such perfect sense. And, you know, I, I am still seeing, with a lot of my clients too, that upregulation because all the things going on in the world that we can't necessarily turn off, you know? And, and so, so many of them really struggle to sort of disconnect and disengage. And then it just really continues to feed into that. And so it's like, uh, one of the things I talked to my clients about recently is like, it's not even just about stress reduction at this point. It's like, we have to actually remove some stressors from our yes. lives. Right. And that can be hard decisions to make sometimes. It can. And and that kind of, you know, I know you're going to ask me about like the stress reset formula. Mm-hmm. The first, this is like a program that I run. And the first step in that is to look at what your stressors are. Mm-hmm. So I have people list, Hey, okay, let's look at all the things in your life. And that might be external things. And usually mm-hmm. when I'm working with someone, so there's external stressors would be like your job, maybe your relationship, your kids, you know, traffic or what's going on in the world or, mm-hmm. you know, a friend, what it's something that's like external to your body. Mm-hmm. We can also have what are called internal stressors. So that may be a nutrient deficiency or, you know, a food allergy or some sort of infection or like mm-hmm. Lyme disease, for example, is one that I find a lot. So something that's kind of stressing your body out from the inside. Yep. So 
And those are usually some things that you can have a very, it can easily have an impact on, you know, if you're working with a practitioner and you're testing for these things, you know, let's say you have a B12 deficiency and that might be stressing out your cells. If you get on B12, that's going to help reduce your overall stress burden. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you do have something like Lyme, treating that will definitely mm. help a lot. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Or, you know, I, I, I find a lot of women have reactivated cases of Epstein-Barr virus or other Absolutely. You know, viral things or COVID. Especially post-COVID, yeah. yeah post-COVID. Yeah. COVID's mm-hmm. been a major stressor to the, to the system. Yeah. Um, but then, like you said, you know, if there are major external stressors and they are things that you can control, you know, mm-hmm. some people you might identify this as a stressor, but it's not something I can change right now. Right. And so you would, you would have a, so I have people put into buckets. Okay. Here are, here are all the stressors. Here are the things that I can easily have an impact on. I can easily cut out watching, you know, stressful TV before I go right. to bed. Right. Which, which people I, don't ever think I, about, right? Especially yeah. with all the true crime documentaries and everything. Oh, yeah. Anything yeah. that comes into our nervous system, whether that's food, drink, like looking at something, talking to a friend, talking to a boss, reading email, looking at Instagram, these are all inputs mm-hmm. that come in and they mm-hmm. could all be a stressor. You know, they're all things that the amygdala is going to filter through. Yeah. And the amygdala could be like, Ooh, you know, I don't like the fact that your friend invited all those other friends out and they took a picture and they didn't invite you. That could be a stressor to you. Mm -hmm, You know, so mm -hmm. looking at Instagram, maybe you're like, Oh, I feel a little left out. That could be triggering your stress response. So it's, it's, so it's identifying some of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also have people start to look at how much time they're spending doing things that make them feel good. So Mm. things that bring joy, things that make Mm -hmm. you feel in the moment, because that's, that's going to be the opposite of a stressful thing. That's going to be something that puts you in the parasympathetic state. Yeah. So that could be maybe like going to the playground with your kids. I don't, maybe that's a stressor for some of you. (laughs) (laughs) Or that could be like seeing your grandchildren or going for a walk with your dog or, you know, whatever it is that you do on a semi-regular basis. And we want to focus on doing more of those things. Mm -hmm. That could be sitting outside on your back porch, you know, in the morning and drinking your coffee. That could be, you know, listening to your favorite music, you know, whatever it is that makes you have that really good feeling. Yeah. I have it more often in the day because so many of us are pushing through our days and not really having any fun. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it is really interesting. Like I had a patient today. She was like, well, am I just never supposed to be stressed? Like, and I'm like, no, no, no. Our nervous systems were designed to handle stress. Our bodies can handle amazing amounts of stress. Mm -hmm. We just want to, we want to make sure that our bodies are able to flip out of the stress mode and we get enough time in that relaxed mode because that's the mode where healing happens. That's the mode where hormones get produced. And that's also the mode where, you know, we touched a little bit on cortisol and cortisol, while it is your stress hormone, it's also the hormone in your body that gives you energy. Mm -hmm. I like to call it your fix it hormone. It's, it's your body's natural steroid, which is Mm -hmm. why too much of it will cause steroid issues, but, but you need some of it. If you've got pain anywhere, your body uses cortisol to go and fix it. It's a natural anti-inflammatory. So when we are in relaxed mode, that's when the body builds cortisol. So the more time we spend there and, you know, there are several stages of, you know, what we call adrenal fatigue. And typically the first stage is when you're in this, I call it like the supernova diva that's soon to burn out. That's when you're in the, like burning the candle from both ends. You're not sleeping. You're go, 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 go. And typically you feel okay during that time. You might not be sleeping. You're like, feel you're flying. You're like, I'm getting everything done. Exactly. But you can't, you can't sustain that. And after time, you're either your cortisol levels will start to dip or your adrenaline levels will start to dip. But eventually you get to this kind of like this burnout place where you have low levels of cortisol and that can be, you know, you're tired. It can manifest depression, sometimes in anxiety, because to counteract the stress response, the body will overproduce adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And when you have tons of adrenaline and not enough cortisol, you feel like you've had 10 cups of coffee and you mm-hmm. feel anxious. So a lot mm-hmm. of anxiety 
And I'm seeing a ton of anxiety in the past year, I think, because everyone's, everyone's burnt out, but there's yep. still these stressors, as you said. Yeah. And the, you know, if your body doesn't have the cortisol to put you into fight flight, it's like, well, I better make adrenaline. So it'll make right. extra adrenaline and then people don't feel good. And then you don't sleep. And then it's a whole, um, so back to the, you know, relaxing time, the more time you spend doing something that you love, doing something that relaxes you, the more cortisol you're going to build and the more appropriate amounts you'll have. And so you'll be able to heal yourself and you'll be able to have energy and you won't have anxiety. Right. I think that's all really important that you said, because I do think cortisol gets this bad rap it does. a lot of times. Right. Yeah. And it's like, it's literally what gets us out of bed in the morning. You yeah. know, we need yeah. a certain amount. It's we just do. when it's all over the place wonky. And like you said, goes up and then down. And it's really the women that once it's in that low place, um, that the real struggle start. And I will say, you know, as a um, practitioner that works with a lot of women perimenopause, I start to see that lower cortisol, you know, yeah. I feel like it's like late thirties hit. And then suddenly like into your forties and women are like, what, what happened, you know, and yeah. they think it's just an age thing, but can you talk about what's going on really when, when you start to have this, uh, you know, I think it's struggles. necessarily an age thing. I think it's typically that's a point in your life, you know, in your late thirties, early forties, you, you know, if you have kids, you've got kids that are old enough, they're probably in your, you're dealing with their schedules, their drama. Mm -hmm. You might have aging parents. So you might be taking mm -hmm. care of it. It's a, it's a time when you're caring for a lot of people mm -hmm. and oftentimes not caring enough for yourself. And yeah. a lot of women get burnt really thin or, uh, you know, they just spread themselves very thin. They're like, sure. I'll take my kids to the, all these things. And I'm taking my mom to her appointments and I'm helping my friends out. And I'm taking care of my spouse and I'm working a job and you know, you're doing a lot of things, but that typically means not a lot of time for you to, you know, allow for that relaxation time. And mm -hmm. I think in our culture, you know, doing nothing is kind of poo-pooed upon. You right. Know, doing and doing yeah. and doing and doing. And, but you, you really have to practice doing nothing. And I'm, I'm not perfect at it. I work at it all the time. I, right. I specialize in this because I've had adrenal burnout several times in my life. And, yeah. you know, and, and I, I learned, you know, the first time I had it, I took supplements and they helped me. And then I just went right back to my not, right. You know, right. I never said no. I would do, yeah. Oh yes. I'll start yes. this project. I'll do this. I'm a go-getter. And then I ended up right back in the same place. And the next time the supplements didn't work as well. And I was like, oh. yep. Crap, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta make some lifestyle changes. <laughs> I gotta start saying no to things. And that's often I see a lot in my patients that have been like repeat patients, you know, initially we're like, they'll take the supplements, they'll do the diet. They don't usually do a lot of the lifestyle practices right. and they maybe feel great for a couple of years, but then, you know, late thirties, early forties hit and they're back in my office and they're like, oh my gosh, I feel like crap. Yeah. And this is sometimes when the hormonal symptoms will start to show up Their PMS gets horrendous. Yep. And so talking about that, there's this sneaky little hormone called, well, not sneaky, it's a hormone called pregnenolone, which I'm sure you've talked about before. It is the hormone that's the precursor to progesterone, but it can also get converted over into cortisol. So it's the way in which the body can shunt production of progesterone over into cortisol or vice versa. Cortisol can get shunted over into progesterone and progesterone is the predominant hormone in the second half of the cycle, which, you know, if we don't have enough progesterone, we tend to get really bad PMS. Yep. We can get really cranky, really irritable, bloated, breast tenderness, the whole works of things. And so oftentimes if you are really depleted in your cortisol and the body starts making progesterone in that second half of the cycle, the body's like, Ooh, I don't have enough to make cortisol, but I'm going to go steal that progesterone and we'll, we'll deal with that over here. And so then you get this relative progesterone drop, you mm -hmm. know, just so that you can keep your energy up. Mm -hmm. I also will see in some people that some people's bodies will 
they actually don't, their ovaries are not producing progesterone very well and they'll steal cortisol in the second half of the cycle. So their cortisol will take a major dip, mm. which that usually they'll get really fatigued. They might get depressed or, mm. you know, so you can have all these different symptoms and it's usually an imbalance between progesterone and cortisol is yeah. what I find yeah. um, the body's shunting either one way or the other, Absolutely. you know, but the root cause of that is that there's not enough cortisol typically to right. go around. Right. You're like, all right, nature, why'd you have to make it that way? That like the progesterone that like makes everything okay gets gets stolen. I know. It's like, why couldn't we steal the estrogen? Exactly. That's the one causing all the problems. Um, But yeah, no, I I think that that was really great for you to to, um, discuss that aspect because I think that is what I see so often, you know, that progesterone already is starting to naturally decline, right? In your late Mm -hmm. 30s, early 40s. And then you just see that stress impacting it so much more because of exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And see, I don't actually know. I don't know that progesterone is going to naturally decline oh, in your late 30s. I just think we see it all the time because people are so stressed. Yeah. Because I have, I have, you know, I test, I test hormones all the time. Yeah. I have some patients where, I mean, they're not coming in for hormones and stuff, but they're coming and I used to throw it on there. I'm like, oh, you're a female, let's test your, and you know, if they're not super stressed, they're in their mid to late forties, their progesterone levels tend to wow. be okay. So I, I don't, I mean, again, I don't, this is just my yeah. experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love you. I don't think the, I mean, we know estrogen declines, but progesterone, right. and it will, when you, once you go through menopause, but right. in your forties, it shouldn't be declining. It's typically from my experience declining because you're super stressed out and it's getting mm. up or again, the body is so stressed. It doesn't want to make it right. And you know, ovulatory like, cycles. Yeah. Yeah. Step yeah, in yeah. There. yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, so so I don't, I don't know. I don't, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a believer that the body really wants to function well. Yes. And that, you know, that yeah. the whole, Oh, I'm, this is happening because I'm older. I don't like that mindset. Yeah. I don't, I like people come in they're like, Oh yeah, I'm just old. I'm like, no, you're there's a reason. There's an underlying old. reason. I know you've been told happening. that, but that right. doesn't mean that you're 39. That doesn't mean that you have to, you know, gain weight. It doesn't mean you have to be tired. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean something's going on. Right. right? Like right. The, and your, your body is just, it's not making progesterone because of something else is happening, yeah. you know, cause the body's always responding to things that are going on, but it, it's not just because you're aging. That's right. That's my, that's my opinion. No, I totally agree. And I think that's a really important point that we skip over a lot because women will just, because we've been told so often it's about getting older and you'll just go to that place. And there's like, I think kind of what you were saying earlier too. this time in life where you're spread so thin, everything's just starting to catch up in a different way too. So it's like, you have to take that extra care. I do have a quick question kind of off topic, but kind of related. Do you find if women start to use like bioidentical progesterone that it will, the body will often take that to make cortisol, Sometimes. Um, if the straight, if, they're if under they start stress. doing that and they're not addressing the stress. stress. So I'm typically bioidenticals can be great in the right situation. Yeah. If someone is really stressed out and their adrenals are really burned out, I will not recommend bioidenticals for them because I'm like, your body's just going to steal all that and go, yeah. and you're not going to actually get the full benefit. And so I sometimes get people that will come in and they've been on progesterone. They're like, it doesn't do anything for yeah. me. I'm like, well, that's because it's getting all converted. Right. Just taking like, mm-hmm. your, your progesterone levels are still, and sometimes we'll, they'll try going up in the dose. I'm like, but it's not you have to work on, you've got to add those lifestyle practices in. Um, And and if you do that and the progesterone is still low and sometimes that can happen, sometimes Mm -hmm. you do get your adrenals a little bit balanced, but it, you know, it it can take a while for the progesterone levels to come back up. That's when it could be a nice time to add a little Mm -hmm. progesterone in to just get you there a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because a little, a low dose of progesterone for some women can be life-changing in their their forties. But again, it typically has that effect when they're doing the work to get their body more relaxed and to get those cortisol levels balanced in a, in a healthy way. 
Absolutely. And this is why I always guide women to testing their adrenals and testing that cortisol when the, they feel like the struggle is on with their sex hormones, right? Because as you're telling us right now, it's so important to get those adrenals nice and happy before you start really digging in too much in the sex hormones because it can work itself out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And one of the big things I just, my podcast just released an episode about this, just looking at like your exercise, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how much you're exercising and how that relates to your hormones. And I mm-hmm. think what I see a lot is, you know, you know, what we just talked about women in their late thirties, early forties, you know, you've got so many things going on. I'll ask like, Hey, what do you do for you? And they're like, well, I go to the gym every morning. Yeah. And that's, that's great. Not- <laughs> awesome. It's yeah. awesome. You're going to the gym because you get right. your new time. However, going to the gym and running or going to the gym, doing a hit class, that's more stress mode. It's right. more fight flight mode, which you know, if you're, if you're having calm points during the day and you are practicing relaxing, awesome. But if your only downtime or you time is an hour where you're in full-blown fight flight, you're probably doing, I don't want to say damage, but you're probably wreaking more havoc on your hormones than, you know, if you were to go, I sometimes will be like, Hey, I want you to, you know, they're like, well, I have a babysitter. I'm like, great. Keep the babysitter. Go take a nap. I want you to go go sleep or sleep in instead of going to, I know that feels counterproductive, but it actually will be more beneficial for your hormones. So, so that's a big mistake. I see women making a lot. I also see women making the mistake of not eating enough, you know, that they're yes. trying to lose weight in this time. Yes. And then they think, Oh, I need to cut calories. I'm gonna eat a thousand calories a day. Not like that's putting your, again, that's going to stress your system out so much. Yep. And if you're already in a lot of stress, why add more? Like you need to, you need to feed your needs is what mm-hmm. I have to say. That's mm-hmm. in my, in my program, like you have to feed your needs. So yeah. if you're running around all day long and you're exercising and you're taking care of kids and parents and work, you've got to eat enough to like, so that yes. your body has enough output. Yeah. And usually women will end up being a healthier, the weight that they would like when they start feeding their body, what it needs. hundred percent. Yes. Absolutely. Across the board, you know, it's, um, I mean, culturally it's an issue, obviously there are diet culture that has taught women that they need to eat less and exercise more. Um, but particularly I find, you know, as women get into their forties, it's like, you need to nourish your body, you know, and really love on it. And that means feeding it well enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important. Can you speak to trauma's impact um, when it comes to stress on yeah. our bodies? So you mean trauma like as a child or at any point? Yeah, at really any point, but I think a lot of times there's underlying trauma maybe from childhood, right? Whether yeah. we know of it or not. Um, yeah, so there could that, be like big T trauma is usually yep. when there's a big traumatic event. There can also be small T trauma, exactly. which is little things. Yep. Um, well, so what we talked about earlier, you know, the amygdala sensing a fear and that whole, like, um, I like to call it the off button when the body comes back, you know, binds to that receptor. When you go through a traumatic event, typically that, that gets the nervous system stuck in fight flight mm-hmm. and the body does that to protect itself. It's like, okay, well, I was traumatized. I'm going to keep myself hypervigilant and I'm not going to relax because I'm going to be in, in protection mode. Mm-hmm. So typically from a physiological, you know, someone who has PTSD, they mm-hmm. are like all their symptoms. They're stuck in fight flight mode. Right. Right. Um, and they're, and again, their body has done that to try to protect itself. Um, so if there is trauma, um, you know, working with a great therapist, you know, there, there are lots of different tools, but I think the first thing I recommend, what, what, whatever you're dealing with is finding a provider to work with, you know, whether mm-hmm. that's someone like yourself or like me or a therapist or, you know, a Reiki practitioner, someone that you trust and you feel safe with, because mm-hmm. if there's been trauma, you don't want to go see someone that you don't trust because no. you never healing is never going to happen. Exactly. So you have to trust your provider and maybe yep. you have a team of providers and that's great too. Yep. Um, but you know, if, and so if, and sometimes you're right, sometimes we know that there's trauma and sometimes we don't, sometimes mm-hmm. the body's buried it so deep, but 
you know, you might, you might be like, wow, I can't figure out why I'm so, I don't feel stressed, but my system is stressed all the time. And there may be some sort of underlying uh, emotional thing or something that happened to you as a child that the body is. um, So working with a good therapist or, you know, is a good place to start to kind of try to uncover that. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it, it definitely has a big impact. Yeah. And going back to what, you know, you were saying earlier about us living through COVID the last couple of years, even yeah. that some people oh, are really, yeah, you know, oh, dealing with PTSD people, all from of it. us. Yeah. No, all of us. I don't, I mean, I explained this like when we, when everyone first started wearing masks, you know, I don't care who you were, even if you, if COVID was great for you, which some people mm-hmm. was, it was like, you sure. didn't have to commute, you got to stay at home. If you went to the grocery store yeah. and you look at people wearing masks, cognitively or like, you know, our, our frontal lobe realizes, okay, there's a pandemic, we should be right. But your amygdala doesn't know that. Mm. Your amygdala is the lizard brain. It sees people in masks and it goes, where's the gas? What is going on? So, yeah. so even if you felt totally fine, you were getting stress signals. So mm. yes, 100% everyone who's alive has some sort of PTSD from the pandemic. Yeah. It might be mild, but I, you know, and I, maybe it doesn't manifest as strong, but it, it, everyone has had some sort of physiological effect from living through the past couple of years yeah. just because like i said your your amygdala doesn't it doesn't have any higher reasoning yeah it can't know like oh this is a pandemic this is why this is happening it again sees a mask and it's like oh there must be something scary i better turn on the stress mode yeah so yeah it's really good to keep in mind about the amygdala because that you know keep that in mind that it's the lizard brain and it's like yeah. so you aren't really you're not in control of it you know and so it's no, like you have not. to take these steps on the other side yeah. of it to be like yes. okay everything's okay you know yeah well yeah. and there's kind of this balance we've got the amygdala and then you have your frontal cortex mm-hmm. and the frontal cortex is you know that's where our higher reasoning comes from mm-hmm. that's where and that's where when you meditate you are i like to yes. think of them as two muscles so you've got the amygdala and every time you put yourself in a stressful situation you're going to be strengthening the amygdala muscle mm-hmm. every time you meditate meditate, you do a mindfulness practice, you calm yourself down, you're strengthening your frontal lobe, which will make you your frontal cortex. It will make you better at overriding the amygdala because you can, mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. the amygdala is going to, it's going to do its thing, whatever, but you can, it can send a signal and you could immediately be like, Nope, you know what? I'm going to take a meditation. I'm going to calm things down. So you can yeah. override it. Yeah. You have to practice at it though. That's yes. not going to come naturally. Yeah. What's going to come naturally is the amygdala setting you into a a stress response. Cause that's yeah. what we were wired and trained to do. Right. And again, that is a protective mechanism. So it, it exists for a reason. Right. But luckily keep our us brains alive, are, right? yeah, that's keep us alive. Right. Yeah. And luckily our brains are super cool. And we have this ability to, you know, practice, mm-hmm. you know, overriding that, but it, it does, it does take practice. So that's why you have to do, you know, the things like a gratitude journal, finding joy every day, you know, doing things that are relaxing you or meditate. I mean, meditation is the number one best thing you can do. Right. And a note on meditation. Cause I hear this a lot from my stress out women. They're like, I can't meditate. Yes. I, I was just totally going to bring that up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in the point of meditation is not, it's, I mean, it, it is to try to clear your mind, but that only happens with people that are super advanced at meditation. Exactly. So when you're first starting out, you know, it's the intention of it. It's the, okay, I'm going to sit here for five minutes and I'm going to just I'm just going to notice my thoughts. You might have 50 million thoughts, but you're going to notice them and that's yep. going to be okay. Yeah. I also will recommend if you've got a really chatty monkey mind brain to do instead of a you know traditional meditation, I like to call it like a visualization practice. Yes. So mm-hmm. I'm sure everyone who's listening has daydreamed before, right? Mm-hmm. You've been thought about a vacation or you've had this like positive, you know, everyone's done it at some point in their lives with a sexual experience and you remember something. And so, and, and when you do that, you're, anytime you visualize something, your brain doesn't know if something is really happening or if you're thinking about it, it's the same mm-hmm. to your brain. So if you mm-hmm. visualize something, let's say you're having a bad day and you're like, all right, I'm going to go visualize I'm on vacation. I'm having the best time. And it's awesome. I'm super relaxed. 
that's a form of meditation. Mm -hmm. So if you struggle with meditation, I'm going to be like, you know, you could just start adding in a five to 10 minutes a day where you're going to daydream. So just go daydream for five or 10 minutes a day about something that makes you feel really good. Yeah. And that will kind of flip off the amygdala. It kind of gets you into like the relaxed mode and it helps, you know, it'll, it'll help your body build more hormones. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Just thinking about daydreaming, you know, it's yeah. what most of us did naturally as kids too, exactly. you know? And so it's like bringing that back in. Um, I also, I love, I always recommend, um, insight timer to yes, my clients because it's like, it, if you need to listen to somebody doing a visualization, that's perfect. Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have a super, some people visualization comes really easy to them. Other people are like, wait, well, what I think about? Yeah. Yeah. But you can have someone walk you through, or I like I like on insect hammer, they have, you can pick a sound, like an ambient sound. Yes. And so my meditation practice, I listen to the chanting monks every morning mm-hmm. and 100%. I've listened to them for so many years at this point, I hear that noise and my body instantly relaxes. Oh, so I it's kind that. of like yeah. Pavlov's dogs, you know, yep. you, you do it. So yep. If you do the same thing over and over again, you stimulate, you know, the, your hearing system with the same sound and you practice that eventually, you know, you hear that sound in your body. So you're like, Oh, it's time to meditate. All right. I'll chill yes. out. Yes. And this is, I'm glad you brought it back to this. I was going to, because when you were talking earlier about, you know, you can't run a 10 K if you haven't practiced and worked your body up to it. So that belief that we can't meditate, which I think is a lot of people have said that to me in their lifetime uh, or in my lifetime, um, that it's, it takes practice, you know, and it is just sitting through those times where, you know, and I've been a person who has meditated, you know, on and off in their life to where I was, you know, have gone to the meditation retreats. And of course, after that, you're like, I just flow right into it super easy, you know, and then you don't do it for a while. And you're like, right back at square A, just like if you were working out, you know, exactly. It's just like working out. Yeah. And so it's like, that's okay. It's like knowing that going back into it, you can do it. You can build that muscle again. And like you said, when you do it that consistently, it's like your body just knows it and snaps into it. Love that. I'm glad. I'm so glad that point came up. Um, and so you talked a little bit about, you have had several experiences of dealing with adrenal fatigue or dysregulation in your lifetime. So can you kind of walk us through what, you know, led you to those places? Sure. So in my early twenties, I ran marathons Mm. and I was running like 50 to 70 miles a week. I had become a vegan at the time. I was definitely not feeding. I was not a healthy vegan either. I was not a, so, you know, I was trying to lose the college weight. So I basically ran myself into the ground. I overworked myself. You know, I was a college student. I was like a double major, super stressed out, um, took a job, was working, was a super stressful job. Anyway. So, and I, I got really depressed. I gained a bunch of weight. I had joint pain. I couldn't get out of bed. I was crying all the time. Um, I was at a, my cortisol was at an all low Mm. point, but I also, I hadn't been eating a lot of protein. So, you know, all of my neurotransmitters were low. My B12 was low. Mm. Um, All the good stuff. I was vegan in my twenties too. I got it. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So I I ended up going to see a naturopathic doctor after my GP was like, Oh, here's some Wellbutrin. And I was like, I don't think that's what I want to do. And he was great. Tested all my levels and, you know, put me on some adrenal support and six to eight weeks, I was feeling back to my normal Mm. self, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, I quit my job. I started working for someone else. And um, anyways, flash forward, like six months later, I was like, I think I want to go back and do what that guy did. So I ended up (laughs) going back to, um, and then second time it happened was after I had my second baby, you know, I was practicing, I was newly married. I um, had two little kids under the age of three. And I was also training for another marathon <laughs> of half marathon. I was like, I'll moderate it. You can't, you can't give marathon. those up. <laughs> I don't run anymore, actually. But um, yeah, I think it was 
I ran the half marathon and then I collapsed the next day and I, I was oh. so exhausted and I couldn't see my patients. I, I mean, I yeah. could, but I was like, I wasn't functioning at work and I love my, I love what I do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I can't even do this. I need to I need to make some changes. And at that point, you know, I took some supplements and then I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta. So then I like delved really deep into the adrenal fatigue science and learned all about the different, you know, receptors. Yeah. And so anyway, so I, I got kind of into that. And now, you know, I'm still a recovering say yes to everything person. So yes. I, yeah, but I've gotten better at boundaries. I've got a pretty yes. you know, schedule where I allow a lot of me time. You know, I make yeah. sure that I get yoga. I have time for meditation. I, you know, I block, I, I take a lunch break every day. I used to not do that. I used to work through and I'd be like, right. Oh, I'll just grab something. You know, I make sure I eat enough. Um, Cause that was kind of always my, like, I know when I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to skip lunch and I'll go do it. I'll go for a walk or cause I'm not, I'm not super hungry during the day, but then, mm-hmm. you know, five o'clock I'm, like, oh, I'm exhausted. And you know, if you do several days of skipping lunch and it's, it's not great. It's not no. great for your hormones. And yeah. Um, yeah, I, I tend to not get the, and everyone's a little bit different and you'll see this, you know, if you're listening, you might get really severe PMS and that could be a sign of adrenal fatigue, or you might just get really tired and have joint pain and maybe get lowly. Like that tends to be my symptoms. I get, I get really fatigued. I can mm-hmm. tend to get my, like my mood goes down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I lose my motivation. Um, and then I'm like, Oh yeah, you know what? There's, there's some adrenal fatigue popping up. I need to yeah. <laughs> work on work on boosting my cortisol level. So, you know, that, you know, for me, like when I start to feel that way, I stop exercising like this week, I was feeling like I've been overdoing it for a few years. I'm like, you know, I'm not going to go to yoga. I'm not going to yeah. like even yoga. I'm like, nope, I'm not going to go. I'm just yeah. going to, I'm going to rest. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to chill out Yeah. because yeah. that, and, and sometimes, you know, I've talked about this on my podcast and another podcast, you know, working, if you are still cycling, knowing what your needs are throughout your different points in your cycle. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. some pe- women like the week before your period, you might be feeling a little low. You might not want to do really intense exercise that week. Or some people, it's the week of their period. It's learning to know what your rhythms are. Yeah. Maybe that, maybe from you know day seven to day eighteen, you may feel awesome, and then those may be the days to be like, all right, I'm going to go do a hit class, or I'm going to do a little bit more intense, and that's great. But then maybe you know that again, maybe like my cycle usually on day twenty one, I'm exhausted. I'm like, nope, I don't want to yep. talk to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so what kind of charting your cycle and learning what your needs are can be really helpful. Absolutely. Tuning into your body is so key. You know, even if you are kind of past that point of continuously cycling or, you know, you are in the menopause, I find that women just charting with the moon can be really helpful too, you know? And so it's, I mean, we are cyclical beings, right. (laughs) As women. So, um, plays a huge role and you brought up the word boundaries, which I think Mm -hmm. is hugely important. And I focus on a lot, like in, in my program, um, because I find that that is the place that so many women truly struggle and don't even realize it. Um, you know, and not just saying no, I think a lot of times when people, when I say, you know, setting boundaries, people think, oh, that just means saying no, but it is also within yourself, right. Mm -hmm. Really recognizing like what's working for you, what's not working for you, Uh, limiting yourself. Maybe like, for example, you know, I used to fall asleep to like TV on my computer being in the background, you know? And like, in one way that made me feel like post my surgeries and, um, you know, where I couldn't sleep, that made me feel like safe. Mm -hmm. But in reality, that was jacking up my cortisol was, you know, not good for me. And so it's like, I had to place that sort of internal boundary limit on myself in order to get better sleep, you know? And so 
Um, can you speak to sort of if boundaries is a big thing that comes up with uh, oh, your patients? It's definitely a big thing. I mean, and like you said, boundaries could be, you know, setting like electronic boundaries for yourself. Like I'm yeah. not going to, I'm not going to be on Instagram for longer than 20 minutes per day, or um, it could be even like, you know, someone messages you and you think you have to message back right away to be like, nope, you know what? Like it could be a, it could be an auto email thing that goes out. That's like, Hey, thank you for your email. I'm mm-hmm. not going to get back to you for 24 to 48 hours. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. answer emails on these days, you know, it's, email. Yeah. it's, I think setting about it is looking at what are the things that are overwhelming you? What's called, you, you kind of have to look at your life. You know, yeah. I've dealt with this with email. Like I get hundreds of emails every day. And oh yeah. Super yeah. stressful. So I now have a thing and it's like, you know, do not expect a response from me 24 to you know, yeah. like, you know, and if you don't get like, one, I'm busy seeing patients right call, now. <laughs> well, exactly. I'm like, I can't respond to everything. And, yeah. Um, but so it's setting boundaries like that and setting up expectations for people, you know, and sometimes I think we're in an age where, you know, I mean, you look at your phone and it's like, you get text messages and yeah. emails and Instagram messages and Facebook messages and yeah. likes and all these things. And we think we have to respond to all of them, or yeah. at least a lot of women that I see that, and I know this, cause I've done this a well, lot. You think you have to respond right away. Yeah. You don't think yeah. about before we had these, you know, People can exactly. get a hold of you. You yeah. can just walk around and be like, I'm doing my own thing. <laughs> and not, you know, right. It's great. That's what I'm, our body I'm, is made to be like, not to yeah, have to respond to all these to things. Respond yeah. to all these things all the time. Yeah. So there's that. And then I think there's, you know, there's emotional boundaries. You, you know, if you're in some sort of a relationship, whether that's with a spouse or a child or a, a parent or a friend or a coworker or a boss that, you know, is emotionally draining to you, you know this is sometimes where it's helpful to work with a therapist to kind of tease out like, Hey, how, how could I set a boundary? You know, this person is, you know, I go into work and all they do is talk about their problems. And, you know, I, so, and I, I've found that because I have patients that talk to me about this a lot, you know, I'll say you, if you have a close friend, that's maybe always calling you complaining, you could have a talk with them and be like, Hey, listen, I really love being the person that listens to you, but sometimes I'm having a rough day. And so maybe before you complain, could you ask, do you have time to hold space for me? Mm. And I found that's a really nice thing to do. And you can also ask this if you're having a shitty day and you want to go, you know, dump on someone else, make sure to ask them first. Be like, Hey, do you have, can you hold space for me today? (laughs) Good point. Yeah. Because they might be like, you know what? I'm up to you. And I think with the past couple of years, with everyone is dealing with, you know, everyone's always dealing with stuff in life. Right. But it's like, we're dealing with stuff in life after going through a global pandemic right. and all the things that came from that. Right. So, you know, there are some days that you may able to be able to handle being someone's shoulder to cry on. There are other days where maybe you're not like, yep. you're not, maybe you're yep. dealing with your own stuff and you're like, you know what? I can't take one more stressful thing. Yeah. And so that would be a nice place to be like, Hey, you know what? I'd really love to listen to you, but I'm at my max today. Could we schedule a time to talk about this later? Or could you call me tomorrow? So setting about, so it's still like, you care about the person you said, I think as women, we, we want people to like us. We want people to yeah. know that we care. And so we're always like, sure, no problem. I'll listen to you. Even yeah. though you're like screaming inside, I just want to go home and take a nap or <laughs> I want to go exercise or I want to go meditate or I want to go make myself dinner. But we, you know, we're constantly doing things for others first. Yeah. And I think most women will respect it. The cool thing about it when you learn to set boundaries is that people will usually be like, oh yeah, sure. No problem. Yeah. I totally get it. You're at your max. I'll, I'll call you tomorrow. Yeah. And then you feel good and they feel good. And it's great. Absolutely. The communication is key. And yes. like you just said, it's not, you have to say no to everything. Sometimes yes. it's just asking for time. Yes. You know? No, not right now. Yeah. Not right now it doesn't work for me, but it's yeah. also okay to say no to things. It's also right. okay to be like a friend's like, Hey, do you want to go out? And you could just be like, no, I don't want to. Yeah. I think a lot of times women will make up excuses. Well, we'll think about it. Oh my God, I don't really want to go, but I should 
come up with some legitimate excuse. Like, yeah, we think of something, oh, my kid's sick, or this is happening, but you could just be like, no, I don't, I don't feel like it. Or just, yeah. no, we can yeah. just say no. Men do it all the time. How many Absolutely. times are you going to comment? Well, Katie, you want to do this? And they'll just say no, no yep. reasoning why they just say no. Whereas <laughs> women, we're always like, well, I'm really sorry. I can't do it. Cause I have to do X, Y, Z. We don't need the explanations. Just be like, no. Absolutely. And the more that we do this, I think, you know, a lot of times people, women will be worried about hurting somebody else's feelings, but like, if we all start to do this, then yeah. it just becomes a normal thing too, yeah. you know? Well, and usually you're probably not going to hurt someone else's right. feelings. I mean, it right. may, maybe, well, I don't know, but, but in most cases, we're always so worried about what yes. other people are going to think. Yeah. But most in like 90% of the time you set your boundary and other people like they're, they're also yep. worried about what other people think. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. Like... Absolutely. And boundary setting really is teaching people how to treat you too. Yes, right. Exactly. And so yeah. as soon as you're not setting those boundaries, you're just kind of allowing everybody to come take your time, you know, and I've, yeah. and I say this from very personal experience and my big fat fibroid that grew from me not setting boundaries. So this is such a huge, you know, important topic for me. Yeah. So thank you oh, for talking through that. Oh, it's a huge topic and, yeah. and it comes up a lot. And, and I, you know, it's, I've dealt with it myself. You know, I, I think when you're a chronic, you say yes to a lot of things and you do a lot of things that usually means you're not great at holding internal boundaries. Yeah. I always use this analogy. I'm like, all right, like most, like if you go to bed at 10 o'clock, you know, and you, you're like, think about what, back when you used to have landlines, you wouldn't usually answer the phone. If no. someone called, well, you would like, if someone called 11, you're not going to answer because you're right. in bed. Yeah. Right. You're like, you but, don't even hear it. It's in the yeah. other room. So, and, but, and that's the same thing. Like, you know, and now we have cell phones, but it's like, it's, if you're at work and you're, you know, you're not answering your phone at home, but we've got a cell phone. If you keep answering it, you're crossing your own internal boundary, right? Yeah. Like if, if people call on you answer or you text or whatever it is. Yep. So it's like, you just got to be, I love the new iPhone where you can put on like work mode or sleep mode or, you know, oh, I didn't even know that. Oh, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. So you can turn, it'll turn off your notifications. So you can put it on. Oh. So you can, my phone's now set, you know, at, it from like eight forty. I have it stop sending me yeah. notifications. So nice. And, and it will tell, it will tell my contacts. So people try to text me, it'll be mm -hmm. like, you know, Aaron has her notifications turned off. So they'll know, Yeah, which is you're not so getting like iPhone setting a boundary that I'm not going to see that. I mean, I could, you could still pick up yep. your phone and look at it, but I'm not going to see it until tomorrow morning. Yeah. So they're not going to, which makes me feel good. Cause I'm like, oh, they're not going to expect a response. Right. It's the same thing with the email. When I have an email response that goes up, it's like, please don't expect a response. I'll get back to when I can. Yeah. So then, then you feel good about it. And then you've trained the people to be like, all right, she goes to bed at nine o'clock. I'm not going to bother her. I'll yeah. bother her during the, the day. And then your yeah. evening is much nicer because you don't have people texting you all the time. Absolutely. Yes. This is, this is the good stuff. I'm so glad that, yes. you know, getting into the specifics, because I think a lot of times women will be like, oh, yeah, I'll start doing this, but they don't know how or why yeah. or when. And exactly. so this is this is a really good stuff. Well, and this is, again, like, when we, you know, we all know stress is not good for us, but you have to get into the specifics about this stuff. And it's yeah. going to be different for everybody. So, again, yeah. this is why it's so important to identify what's causing you stress in your life. And, you know, yeah. maybe for some people, you don't have a texting or a phone issue. Maybe it's you know, I don't, it, it, it could be anything, but you have to right. identify what the stressor is for you and then figure out how are you going to set a boundary around that? How are you going to reduce it? How are you going to change your reaction to it? Um, anyway, so that's, that's yeah. kind of where I developed my program came out of. Cause it was like, we need, we need, you need, you need to figure out how to make this better for you. And it yeah. might look different from someone else. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to jump into the program here in a second, but one quick thing before we do that diet, what yes. is, you know, uh, I know it, diet can be individualized, but what, what are some of the big things that you recommend to support? So when we're looking at stress in particular, balancing your blood sugar is the number one, most important thing to do. So 
I always like to say that your sex hormones, your adrenal hormones, and your thyroid hormones are in this very delicate triangular balance. So if it's like a triangle floating in space, if one goes up, it's going to affect the other two. The thing that holds that triangle up is your blood sugar. So if blood sugar is not stable and it's moving all around, the triangle on top is going to be topsy-turvy, which means stress hormones are going to go up or down, thyroid's going to go up and down. You can't keep the rest of your endocrine system balanced if your blood sugar is not in balance. So that might look different for different people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of using the blood type diet. So if you're blood type O, I recommend you have a more paleo diet, lower on the grains and the dairy. If you're blood mm-hmm. type A, kind of a more vegetarian-esque diet, blood type B is kind of more Mediterranean. AB is kind of a special mix. Um, that's kind of like the... I don't use that for everyone, but that's kind of the guidelines that I like Mm -hmm. to follow. But, and I'm a really big fan of the CGMs, the continuous glucose Mm -hmm. monitors, wearing those for a month, get it for a month, do it, see what your, how your Your body responds. Yeah. Find out like, Hey, when I eat a banana, does it spike my sugar? Or if I have oatmeal or if I have steak in the morning, like just to find out what, and the great thing about the CGMs is you can see what exercise does your sugar too. Mm -hmm. If a meal and you go take a hit class, I can bet you that your blood sugar is going to spike and then drop. So it's, it's a really, it's a really great information gathering tool. So Um, But again, blood sugar balance is the number one most important thing when you're, when you're stressed out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I can't go over that enough with my clients, you know, it's just, it's such a huge part of hormonal balance too. So it's, it's, you can't, you can't get around it. So tell us a little bit about the program. I know you've kind of um, touched upon it, but tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah. So it's, it's a four week program. It's not super long, but it's kind of just like an introduction to like, Hey, okay, what do I do? I've got I've got stress going on. What do mm-hmm. I do with this? So, and I said, in the first week, we really, we learn about stress. So kind of what I talked about today mm-hmm. and we identify what your stressors are. Mm-hmm. And then we go through, you know, what to do diet wise. We go through supplements. We go through lifestyle practices. We go through a very specific meditation technique. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and it's all, it's online. So there's videos and little worksheets. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. If you, if, um, if you're interested in that, or if if you guys want, um, I can give you the link, they can get my free adrenal fatigue guidebook. Oh yeah. The basics on that. And then if, once they get that, they can get on the list and they'll get information about the stress. Oh, great. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. And remind me what your website is. It's, uh, dreerinkinney.com. Okay, cool. And are you, you are on Instagram? I'm on Instagram. I'm really active on Instagram. So you can follow me there and I have a podcast as well. The Dr. Kinney show. So if you want to listen to that, I get guests on chat by myself and um, yeah, but I'm on Instagram. I do a lot of live videos and so chatting about all types of topics, all this stuff to adrenal fatigue and hormones. And yeah. yeah. And I always recommend to people that, you know, for me, at least on social media, I like to follow people that a inspire me and b yes. help remind me <laughs> about these things. Right. Cause yes. they can listen today and like take it in, but then life takes over. Right. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. it for me, it's like use social media in a very beneficial way, which yes. is to kind of keep you on track with these things, yes. you know, yes. and that's the work that you're doing to help keep them on track. Right. Is by doing yeah. these lives and, and talking about this information. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. This is a great chat. Such a good conversation. So many good points. So you guys reach out to her, um, check out her program. I'm really excited about diving deeper into that for myself too. So I will see you guys next time. 